What's up, everyone? I am Adam Rutter, and you are listening to My Armour, a podcast that aims to tell the stories of people who have had to contend with injuries that have disrupted, stalled, or unfortunately ended their pursuits of success. I aim to tell these stories whilst honing in on factors such as motivation, self-doubt, fear of failure, and ultimately how to maintain resilience and grit in the face of adversity. And what a reaction to last week's episode, guys. Now, Paul's story seems to truly resonate with loads of people and it truly highlights the need and benefit of absolute openness and honesty when it comes to mental health and identity struggles. But now, on to episode three. The guest we have on today is the epitome of maintaining a relentless drive to succeed. Steve Douglas was a professional skateboarder in the 80s and 90s and made the move from the UK to California to pursue his dream of competing on a global scale and making skateboarding his career. Now today we'll explore Steve's skateboarding journey in what was a fast evolving scene, alongside understanding how he has laid the foundations for his successful business career within the skateboarding industry. Steve's career as a skateboarder was interrupted with a knee injury in which he reports made him acutely aware of the need to plan for once his body could no longer push the limits of his sport. However, unfortunately, Steve's career was halted early after a near-fatal car accident. Steve talks us through his relentless drive to achieve, and it's the same drive that has led him to establish companies and brands such as New Deal, Giant Skateboard Distribution, Rolling Thunder, and Element. Let's get stuck in and find out how Steve's skateboarding career and his injuries have formed the man he is today. Everybody's progressing and now you're a professional. I mean, that was something, you know, like, you know, you go to a ramp and they know that you're a professional skateboarder. And that was, you know, like, oh my God, I've got, now I've got this, you know, now I'm a name. Now I've got a pro board with my name on it and I can hardly skate. I can't tell everybody that, hey, just so you know, pal, I'm I'm hurt. I'm coming back from knee surgery. They could care less. So, so the, the, these were active thoughts going on in your mind at the time? Kind of la- loss of confidence? Oh, yeah, of, for sure, of, for sure. How, 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 did you get, how did you get over that, mate? Was you just, it just, it's, exposure it's just time, just time. I remember I got, I got goosebumps as I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking, oh, man, if my friend Bod was here with me right now, he'd be driving and I'd be in the back asleep. Well, then I woke up. And I woke up and... I, first thing I said, I'm not going 80 miles an hour. I'm going 100 miles an hour. And I could see, and it, there was a the center divider. There was no, you know, there was a, it was a big straight long road. And in the middle of the divider, there was, you know, I don't know, 80 feet, 100 feet. And I could see two cars coming in, in on the other side. And I tried to correct myself and I started flipping. So, Steve Douglas, welcome to My Armour, mate. Lovely to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Mate, no stress at all. So, mate, I am sat here. It is seven o'clock in the evening. I think it is about zero degrees outside. Just give us a little insight into your day at the moment. I believe it's midday warmth, nearly midday warmth in California. Is that right? Yeah, it's uh, it's 11 o'clock right now. So a little bit cooler. This is our winter. So we do have a, a, a decent winter over here. It's not as long as the UK. Uh, yeah. Northern California is a lot different than Southern California. It's warmer in the summer and colder in the winter and we do have more seasons so that's why i like it here it's more of my how i grew up with uh yeah, more sort yeah. of hill, hilly and uh and uh, lots of trees with, with, with tree coverage but uh mm-hmm. yeah i started work i started work this morning uh seven o'clock was my first meeting so uh here i am 11 o'clock now and uh, just getting started in the day perfect man hopefully i won't take too much of your time but um, no, before we get started mate i just want to 
just really say I'm super grateful for the link up from my patient and your business partner, Alex, who essentially, uh, I think probably a month ago now, to be fair, I mentioned to him, I almost pitched him the idea of my podcast and, and your name popped up immediately, mate, as someone who sounded like would be absolutely perfect, mate. And after talking to you, mate, I have to wholeheartedly agree with him. All right. So thank you, well. Alex. So, mate, again, from talking to you the other day, I think there were two consistent themes that shone through, really. One was your unbelievable work rate and your kind of drive to always try and achieve. But the second thing, which is probably no surprise to anyone, is, is skateboarding. So I'd like you to go right back, mate, 1976. I believe that is when you got your first board. Can you take me back to kind of that era, really, just so I can get an understanding of what skating was like in London at that time and kind of what skating meant to you at that time, please, as well? Yeah, well, it's funny. The first time I saw skateboarding was on John Craven's news round. Um, and I remember, and it seemed to me looking back at it, like the next week there was a guy that had a skateboard at the school and okay. uh, yeah, and he brought it in after after school. And I remember standing at the playground and, you know, he, it's like 30, 40 people around it and he seemed to let everybody go and ride this board. But when I got to, you know, I was like, can I go next? He was like, you know, piss off, you know, you're the year below <laughs> type thing. And so, you know, that right there showed me sort of like, like I'm like, I'm going to get a skateboard. I'm going to show you, you know, yeah. <laughs> when I think back to that. And, um, but, I, you know, I, skateboarding was, that's all I'd seen. I hadn't seen anything about, you know, I hadn't seen it on the TV or anything about that. But what was interesting was I knew at my time in my life that I didn't like team sports. Like my brothers okay. were, you know, good at doing all the team sports. And I was, I had two older brothers, I had two older brothers at Twins. And they were good at, you know, cricket and rugby and football. And, you know, I was expected that I was going to be good. And I just didn't feel comfortable with any of those sports. When I got hold of a skateboard, I just felt that there was a connection. It was like I wasn't having to let anybody else down. This was something that I could personally do. Um, and I and I just gravitated towards that. So, um, yeah, you know, so at that time in 76, I hadn't seen the magazines. I hadn't really seen anything apart from people skating down the streets. And I got hold of my skateboard. My mum said it would be a five-minute wonder. I finally got to, 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 you know, to get that that board from a sporting goods store in Watford, um, and then uh, it certainly wasn't a five-minute wonder, which my mum still makes fun about that today, saying. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Mate, yeah, so it was very, 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 uh, very, very early, very early in skateboarding, you know. And how did that five-minute wonder or supposed five-minute wonder progress, mate, in, in the UK for you? So I'm guessing, did your natural love of skateboarding kind of evolve as the scene built a little bit within the UK? Yeah, I just skateboarded every moment I could possibly skateboard. Um, you know, just every after school, um, you know, the weekends, it was just absolutely consumed me. I remember, like, I think I, I did a deal with my mum where we basically I was playing football, uh, you know, certain certain weeks. And it was like, OK, I'm going to go skateboarding this once a month, you know. And then it was like, second, it was t twice a month, then three times <laughs> and then four times and then sell my bike, you know. And after that, it was a just a commitment with every you know, every pound I had, um, wow. you know, saving money, saving school money, washing cars, Christmas money. I never got presents, uh, holiday, uh, you know, holiday or, or, or football, never, uh, sorry, holiday or football, uh, holiday or birthdays. Yeah, yeah. It was just money. I just got a pile of envelopes, which was great. And then in between that, it was saving money from school, walking instead of taking the buses uh, to save money for skateboards because we were, um, you know, we, we weren't, um, it was sort of middle of the road family, but when there was a lot of us, right? We had, it was three girls and four, and uh, I was a third boy. Oh, so wow. it was a big, it was a big family. And you know, if you, at the time in the UK, um, you know, if you did something for me, I had to do it for everybody. So basically, none of us got anything really. Yeah, no, so, I understand that. 
you know, it was basically like, yeah, do a paper route, you know, do, do uh, you know, wash cars and stuff like that. So I, I, I did with all of those things. But the, when I could actually skateboard, that's when I would skateboard. So I remember watching cars in the morning and then going up to, to skate in the afternoon. So, yeah, it was just it was just constant. It was 24-7. It's all I all I thought about and all I did. You know, when I went to school, I remember counting down the periods, 40 periods of, of school. And it, while I was there, I might have been in school, but I was only thinking about the next weekend and what I was going to do. Um, no, and and, and that's already, that, sorry, mate, I was just going to say, that's already pretty telling of the of the work rate and the graph that I guess you're, you're still displaying today. Yeah, I just, so I of, just loved it. I just loved it. Uh, absolutely so, loved it born out of the passion for the sport at that time and I say I say born out of a passion for the sport mate when did when did it become a competitive thing for you uh I think 1980 or 1981 we had a a, a photographer well-known photographer in the UK he's unsung hero of British skateboarding Tim Layton Boyce he came up to me at Harrow and, and two other of us and he said you guys should start skating contests and I said well my friend Colin and Mick absolutely they should but not me and they're like no no there's an under 14 age group and I said like, oh okay well that sounds good and so um, I think it was 1981, I started entering the, the contest series the English Skateboard Association had put on. So there was contests all up and down the UK. And at this time, skateboarding was 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 was, was dead. Um, okay. It really was dead as, as you know, um, it was very, very, very small. I mean, we, you know, that end of that year, I pretty much knew, I think I knew every single skateboarder in the UK. Um, we would travel to these events. I think there was like 10 or 12 events that, that year of 1981. Um, but it was fantastic just, you know, because once the, the craze had died down and the park, a lot of the parks had closed, it was all these small um, groups of skateboarders sprinkled around the country. And then this English Skateboard Association putting on these series of events allowed all of these sort of hardcore enthusiasts to, to go to these events. And so we met like minded people from all over the over the country, which was which was fantastic. Wow. And then they said they had the two age groups under 14 and then. Uh, you know, over, uh, uh, you know, over 14 type thing. So, um, yeah, that's what I, what I did. So I, I, and I, it sounds funny. I, I won all the contests, which sounds good, but it was only like four or five people in those events for under 14s. Yeah. But like you said that, I guess that just ended up being kind of a real hotbed of talent, I presume, because kind of, it was the only the ones that had the passion left in the sport. Is that fair to say? Or Yeah. I mean, we'd lost a lot of the top guys at the, at the time in skateboarding in America, in the UK, we actually had people that were in the top level that could have been skating in the finals in America. Uh, when the park, the, the key park rolling thunder in London uh, closed down, um, we lost a lot of those guys, the majority of those guys. So then it was down just there, down to us. Um, that had actually watched what was possible, which okay. was a huge help. And we were kind of through the dark years of, of uh, the early 80s, um, you know, just getting uh, us getting through it. But yeah, there was still some there was definitely some still some good, good talent, but it was it was spread out. But it was great seeing all these like minded people all over the all over the country. And then into, you know, then we transferred into into Europe. Well, man, that, that was my next question, kind of how you managed to to, to take what was kind of quite like a hotbed of a UK scene at that point. And when did that transition come for you to, to, to move state style? Because I presume at that time, that was, that was, that was quite a massive move and a difficult move to make. Well, yeah, it's funny. You know, I, in uh, let me see, 1983, I was 15 years old and I got invited to the uh, European championships and that was under 16. And so I went there and um, I won that also too. And I got, wow. um, yeah, through that, I got um, some product from a brand called Madrid Skateboards and okay. I contacted them and, you know, they, they ended up sponsoring me, which, which, which was huge because there wasn't many European 
sponsored riders at that point. And that gave me a connection to someone in California that I would um, talk to and, and, and they would send me product. I mean, it was a, it was a real nightmare to be honest with getting product. I remember being promised product for, um, you know, three to four months. And, I, and every day, you can imagine, I was walking home and, <laughs> yeah. and, and thinking, was that package there? Was that package there? And it got to a point after three or four months that I, I'd pretty much given up. I think it was like the first day I didn't ask my mum the first thing, did it arrive? Did it arrive? And um, she said, oh, there's something upstairs for you. And I just was just like, it was just incredible getting my first, that was my first ever package. And um, I mean, it oh, was mate, really, that must have been amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. But it was a you know, real disappointment of those three or four months because I was expecting it. And it was like every day, I mean, all during the day and every day. And then, you know, after a while, you kind of go, well, what's happening here? But um, you know, and then and then it happened, and it was it was very very exciting for me. Actually, funny enough, they sent me the the wrong product, but that was all right. It was, still, it? <laughs> it was, it was absolutely it was absolutely golden. So then I had a so then I had a relationship with um, the American companies, and I knew that I wanted to get away from what I called in the UK of basically you know weekend warriors, right? Which is what yeah. everybody was. We were weekend warriors. We would we couldn't skate during the week because it's not like we had a skate park right on our doorstep. What I was skating yeah. at the time was was um, half pipes. And we had stuff at Harrow, which was I could maybe skate in the evenings, but it just wasn't exactly what we needed to for, for, for competition, really. So it just sure. made it a little bit made it a little bit more difficult. Where I was skating was down at Crystal Palace or Farnborough, which was about an hour and a half to two hours, depending on the trains, you know, on Saturday and Sunday. And we would go down there, you know, uh, Saturday, Sunday, early mornings, regardless of what the weather was. It, it, it could be snowing. Uh, it would be raining. We, we would convince ourselves that where we were going was actually going to be dry. And, um, <laughs> yeah. and we just went there. And I remember many, I think I went through a month of every day I possibly could being at the skateboard ramp down in Farnborough or Crystal Palace and not actually physically skating for a month. Wow. But but wow. yet Monday morning, as Laura was, it was blue skies and dry at school. And then Saturday came and it rained again, you know. But the thing about it was, is when it did rain, when it did dry up on that Sunday afternoon, we were, you know, we would do everything we possibly could to dry the ramps up. But, you know, suddenly you'd get like an hour and a half or half an hour or two hours or something like that on a Sunday afternoon. And my goodness, you'd have the best session because you were just so ready to, to skate and you've been, it's been so built up in you. And I think that also taught me a lot about not taking things for granted. You oh, know, man, whereas coming to California, you know, you're pretty much given that the weather's going to be good. In fact, it's the exact opposite. They're like, oh, my God, it's going to rain. I remember being in LA for the first time. They were talking about this big storm. And I was a little bit worried because I was like, wow, the way these everyone's talking about this big storm, it must be really huge. I woke up in the morning and the guys were like, well, what are we going to do today? And I go, what about this big storm? They're like, oh, yeah, it rained last night. And I, was, I was like, yeah. you're joking. Didn't even, didn't even, didn't even hear it. So, That's uh, incredible. The I mean, they do have big storms over here, but it's, it's, it's very, very few and far between. I mean, it's rained, you know, not, not, not rubbing it in, but it's rained twice this, this winter. You know, and it's oh. springtime is, is almost here. So um, it doesn't rain that much um, over here. And it can go from six, seven months with no rain at all. So it's a completely wow. different, different, different culture here, you know, and, and, with, and, and skateboarding. But the difference in skateboarding was over there, you would go to these public facilities. When you're in okay. California, you, they, they didn't have them at the time. The, the parks are closed. It was someone's back garden. So there's okay. a backyard ramp. Um, wow. You know, now it's completely changed. Now there's skate parks everywhere. But at that time, you know, you had to know the, you know, had to know someone that knew, so, you know, that had the ramp and you were allowed, you know, you'd only skate when they were there. Um, so that was, you know, it was also another sort of part of different, a different way of, you just weren't guaranteed. You might have the nice weather, 
but you weren't guaranteed that you could skate, you know? So we yeah, had yeah. many days where we were like on sort of standby and then could we get there? You know what I mean? That was another thing. It was like, you know, over there, we were so used to going on the trains and buses and everything like that. But over here, it's, you know, the trains and buses are, are not that great and not the most direct route, right? So, um, you know, sure. like, can we find a place to skate? Can we find a place to live? And then, and also, uh, you know, uh, actually get there. So it was, it was very, very difficult. I mean, I lived in America for, let me think, uh, sort of seven, six to seven years before I had my own car. Wow. So I was always under the mercy of other people. So that was, um, yeah, that was, that was, that wasn't, wasn't easy. But there's, so there's a few things stacking up there that I guess we'll talk in a bit more detail later on, but you talk about not taking things for granted. And I guess that, that really comes to true. And I certainly appreciate that when I'm rehabbing patients or clients is that those moments when you're injured and you can no longer take that sport for granted, these kind of examples that you're giving mate, they, they really stood you in good stead, I guess, for things that perhaps were going to happen in the future. So mate, yeah. move, move, move yourself on a little bit forward, if that's okay, because I'm really interested, kind of, you made that move to, to the States and, and when, how were things kind of in terms of the scene being competitive over there? Kind of, was it kind of championships, competitions once you'd made that move? Yeah, there was, there was, and it, that was also difficult. Um, we had a situation called, uh, uh, we had a, not situation, uh, an organization called the National Skateboard Association, um, yeah, called the NSA. And they wouldn't allow me to skate because I was from England. I wasn't from America. But then they had okay. this other association called Castle, which you, which I could enter. But it was very secondary compared to the the National Skateboard Association. My goal was to to sort of to, to turn pro the right way, which was win an amateur contest or place highly in amateur contests and then turn pro. Um, I was, you know, long story short, but I, you know, I I I, I was really I couldn't do that. So um, I ended up. Uh, doing well into some amateur contests. I got third in the world championships in, um, in Vancouver um, wow. as an amateur event. Um, you know, the Americans thought they were all going to get all the top 10. And I remember <laughs> someone saying, oh, I think Steve Douglas is going to, you know, try and uh, change that. Anyway, I got, ended up getting third at that contest. And that's really where my career started really going uh, the right in the right direction. Um, oh, yeah. But then I couldn't, I, enter, I couldn't enter all these other contests. And so I woke up one morning and I said, right, if I learn, if I learn this one trick that had never been done on vert before, if I can learn this trick today, I'm going to turn myself pro. So I, I went in and uh, I actually learned this trick and I, and I said to my sponsor, I said, you know what, I'm, you know, I'm not able to skate in this contest. I'm going to turn myself professional and he allowed me to do it, which was incredible. So yeah, no I just threw, threw that out there and, uh, and did it. And yeah, I so said this trick had never been done before. And um, yeah. What was the I, trick, mate? It was called a frontside hurricane, and um, yeah, it was. Oh, I just did it on the the highest part of the ramp. Normally, people learn tricks on small things and take them up. So I just like, you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm gonna miss all of that out. I'm just gonna do it on the highest part, the most hardest place to do it. I like that the coping was was poor coping, and it was it was okay. a little bit grippier than the pipe coping. So I just okay. felt like I would ha- it'd be better for me to do this trick, and so. Um, so boom or bust, mate. Boom yeah, or bust. Was, yeah, boom or bust. Um, so. I was fascinated when we spoke last time because I, I really, obviously, I, I work a lot in 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 sport these days, and and kind of the associations with that is is absolute professionalism with regards to how you treat your body, how you recover, um, and how you prepare yourself for competition. So, can you just give me a bit of an insight in terms of what that athlete mindset was like back then? Whether there was the same attitude of treating the body with absolute respect, and maybe some examples of things that you witnessed back then? Yeah, well, for for me, I knew at an early age that that drinking was not 
good for my for my skateboarding, right? I knew uh, very early that you know there was a there was a difference between drinking the night before and then performing the next day. So I would go into contests and not have a drink or anything like that the week before, and then you know after the contest we would let our head down and enjoy ourselves. But there was plenty of uh, people doing all sorts of, you know, smoking weed and doing all sorts of things. Um, not so much drinking, but it's more sort of people were hung over from the night before. But definitely, yeah. I mean, in the t- higher levels, I mean, people were taking acid and stuff like that. I mean, it's wow. cra- as crazy as that is. But for me, you know, I, I definitely had a thing where as before contests, absolutely um, no, 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 no drinking because uh, it, you know, it, made a, it made a big impact. Oh, it makes a lot of sense to me. That makes a lot of sense to me. Now, do do you mind kind of just tapping into, mate, that the first time that that you really had or, or you were aware of an injury associated with your skateboarding, mate, that kind of that, that led you to, to to being off your board, I guess, for an extended period of time? Yeah, I mean, I, I had had many times when I would be off like two or three weeks. Um, you know, that would be one thing. But, you know, you'd always you could do, you know, it, it just time seemed to kind of move quickly and that was OK. Um, yeah. the big one was with my knee surgery. I, I, I just gone through six months of not drinking. Um, and it was a, you know, a big, a big period of time and no drinking at all. And my skateboarding, I mean, if we, you know, if I was looking at you, it'd be like, you know, going up at 45 degree angle. I mean, I just shot up and yeah, just, yeah. everything was happening for me. The, the contests were going well. Um, I just turned professional. Um, and I was in this event in Seattle and I just, you know, one of the times when you, when you skateboard on a ramp, you can't, it, every ramp's different. So it's just hard to get, you know, you have to get used to the ramp and then you, you start doing, you know, you start pushing your tricks. Well, I got onto this ramp and the ramp was built incredible by a guy called Tim Payne who built excellent ramps. But this one was the ramp for me. I remember in my first practice session, I was like, oh, if there's a contest that I'm going to do really good in outside of the, the lip trick contest, which was a, a contest specialized in the type of skateboarding that I had, which yeah. Uh, which I was known for where, where I got fourth and people said I should have got better than that as a, as yeah. a pro event. Um, I was like, it's going to be this contest. And I just, I would just drop into this ramp and I could do tricks in my hardest tricks first time. It was just like, I was just like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And right before wow. the contest, I was really excited. And I, I remember dropping in my first ride, this long ride. I fell strangely. And I just immediately knew that this was something that I hadn't, I'd never, I'd never done before. I knew that my knee was, was this, there was something wrong with it and I remember being underneath the ramp I was whacking my knee and just trying to push it back into place because I was so desperate to skate in this event um I went and saw the trainer he told me he's like hey Steve there's no more skating for you he goes my advice to you is go back and ice this and see me tomorrow you know your, your competition is over <clears throat> I didn't listen to him and it was a, a lesson I learned um <laughs> I, I uh I went out. I remember. I remember exactly what I ordered. I remember sitting down for the team dinner, and I just like, just give me the most expensive thing. You know? And uh, <laughs> and I started drinking. And I was like, had a you know, I just drank. I, was, I knew it. I knew that there was a there was a problem. Anyway, the next morning I woke up in the most excruciating pain. Still feel the pain today, to be honest with you. My knee was at like at 45 degrees. I, I was just it's swollen like a like a a big melon, watermelon or something. And I'd had water on the knee before and everything else like that, but this was just like, sure. this is different. Anyway, I struggled. I struggled to get down to the, the ramp. I went under to see the, the trainer again, the guy called Barry Zaritsky, fantastic guy. And he looked at me and he just started laughing, just laughing. <laughs> just absolutely pissing himself. Just looking at me, he goes, Steve, he goes, you didn't listen to me. He goes, I got to tell you, you've learned a lesson because you'll never forget this. He goes, you've just added minimum six weeks of icing your knee just to get back you where if you'd iced should have iced that last night. You're never going to forget it. And my goodness, I have never, <laughs> ever forgot that. It's one of the biggest lessons of my life. 
yeah, um, yeah. And, and believe me people that know me and you know when I see people get hurt or I get hurt you know 20 minutes on 20 minutes off again 20 minutes on again I mean that might be you know may have changed now but that was always my my thing and I, I definitely did learn that learn the, the oh the mate for way, sure but- I mean, the one thing that's definitely not changed is that alcohol is very pro-inflammatory. So if you get straight on the booze straight after, you're going to be in a world of trouble after. It was Although, the worst. <laughs> but but we're not just... Thing, you know, it, was, it was so, for me, after going for so long, yeah. that was the real tough time of my, of, of, my, of my life at the time. Because up until that point, I mean, I was so focused on skateboarding and it was the only thing that mattered. I remember when I left for the UK, because I came over to America for six months and I went back for six months in 1985 and then I went back. And on my leaving do, one of the guys said to me, one of the locals said to me, he goes, Steve, you know, hey, you're going over to America, that's great, but we're all learning skills and trades. You're skateboarding. What are you going to do after skateboarding? And I just him, I just said, I don't care. Nice, man. Because <laughs> I didn't care. Yeah. I didn't care. Yeah, I was yeah. like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to America, I'm going to turn professional and I'll see where it all, all, all goes. And, um, you know, I had just turned professional. And I, you know, I just, I just got hurt. And um, my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, you know, she went on a, a trip to Europe by herself, just, just doing something with her friends, um, visiting my family and, and everything else. And I suddenly had this apartment and I had a bunch of people that for years had been staying, I've been staying with them all over the country and all over the world. Now they were yeah. going to San Jose and they were staying with us. I couldn't skate. My knee hadn't been completely sorted out exactly what it was. So we, you know, it was party time. You know, we were just basically, you know, it was, it was, that's what was happening. Um, so is this before, this is before surgery? Yeah, this was before surgery, before I knew what everything that was, what was going on. And, um, okay. and then suddenly, you know, then I got into the situation, not a situation, but, you know, having surgery, right. And then um, actually recovering from that, recovering from that surgery. And it was so mentally challenging for me because, what happened was what I was known for was to do these intricate lip tricks, which is these tricks along the edge of the, the top of the ramp. Okay, um, yeah. And rather than just using the ramp as just a blasting point for big airs, I could do airs, but never to the level of some of the other guys, but I was known for all these intricate lip tricks. Once I got hurt, um, you know, when I was skating, it was mainly big ramps and then, you know, people would make smaller ramps. Well then suddenly smaller ramps were like the big craze. Like everyone was building these small, what they called mini ramps. Okay. And mini ramps, you couldn't really do airs because you didn't have the vertical to really launch you up. I mean, you could, but it wasn't as as easy. People, you couldn't go as high, and you couldn't do right, the yeah. sort of tricks that you needed so a vertical. The sport ramp was for. the sport was changing a little bit while you were in your downtime. Yeah, it was kind of not not regressing, but it was coming becoming more fun. So people, the tricks that I were doing on vert were now a lot easier to do on the smaller ramps, right? Okay. Uh, and so this was becoming an important part of skateboarding. And, and what was happening, I knew this as this was starting. That it was easier for me to learn on a bigger ramp, but a lot of these other guys it was easier to learn on a smaller ramp and then build it up. So of course, I yeah. was I was seeing this like all these tricks that I was doing and then harder versions of that. And I was looking at it going, I know this is gonna go to where vert is. So I felt this extra pressure that like I'm like, I'm gonna be not only have I got to get over this, I'm in a you know, time is standing still for me. These guys are getting better every day. I knew the guys on the the east coast of, of America were skating seven days a week. You know, we were lucky yeah. to skate five days a week, right? Yeah. The guys in Europe were skating if they were lucky once or twice a week. So, you know, the whole 10,000 hour thing, you know, I knew that I was getting behind and all these guys were, you know, these young kids were learning all these great tricks. And so it was like every time guys would come back into the apartment and they would talk about going down to San Diego and who was doing what, it was like I was sitting there, you know, and I was like, Every time these guys were talking about these tricks being landed and all these tricks, it was like it was like you know I was getting 
hit in the gut. She said, she goes, I, he goes, I can see your face. Like when these people are saying about these things and I, and I was like, yeah, I'm, I feel like it's like a blow to me. It was mentally really, really, really tough. So Steve, um, was there, was there ever a moment where you, you questioned whether you were going to be able to make it back to the same level at those early days or, or, or not? Did you always have that unrelenting confidence that although it was t- tough to see people doing really well and progressing, were you still supremely confident that you were going to be back to where you were before? Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I definitely felt that until I started skating again. Okay. <laughs> that, was the real, yeah. that was the real big doubt uh, um, because you lose so much confidence. Um, you know, the knee surgery was one thing. Um, the other mental part of it was my sponsors that were so all over me when I'd done well in these contests suddenly were like, where were they to be seen? And, yeah. and that was a, a good, bad learning experience, right? Because yeah, I learned yeah. from that. And I, I vowed when I did my own company, if I was ever doing my own company, I would definitely, uh, I, would, I would do things differently. Um, so and just to be just to be clear, Steve, for anyone that's listening who, whether they're a physio or whether they're going through struggles themselves, am I right in saying that you you had a meniscal repair? And am I right in saying they left your ACL because there was an attenuation, so a stretch to that ACL, but they decided to leave it at that point? Yeah, they did. They went in and cleaned up underneath the kneecap. Uh, it's funny enough, we had a video of it. And uh, we used to watch the video. You know, you could hear me asking questions about the guy doing the you know orthoscopic surgery, which is which is hysterical. Um, you know, you can hear, hear me very, very clearly. Um, so yeah, that's what they'd done. And they said to me, look, look, Hey, look, we, we couldn't, we didn't repair. Was it the ACL? You know, you know, better than I, they just yeah. said, look, we can go in and reconstruct this, but we don't need to, as long as you keep your quads strong, your legs strong, um, you know, you won't have a problem with this. So that was actually a really, I actually look back on it. It was a great bit of life after skateboarding, um, that I just, I've got to keep fit, you know, otherwise I'm sure, going to with my body. So that, that really helped me. So going through that, I remember working, you know, working hard, but to get to, you know, we had no money at the time. I mean, my, I was getting paid $250 a month and my rent was $200 a month. So we had $50 to live a month. You know, it was certainly not a glamorous lifestyle, um, but we made it, we made it work. But I remember speaking with one of my sponsors and saying, look, I need to go to the gym, you know? And he, you know, I said, can you lend me the money? And he was really, really, really difficult. And I'm like, you know, this isn't a super nice gym. This is a YMCA gym. Which is, yeah. um, you know, like you know, the, the people when they would have like, you know, the, the eye drops coming, showing that they've been in prison. I mean, it, you know, San Jose area where I live was a was a gang infested area. I mean, it wasn't, right. you know, getting a bus is completely different the bus in America than it is a bus in in uh, in the UK. You know what I mean? And so it was, I'd take the bus there. Anyway, I got like, I think I asked for like sixty five dollars so I could get this membership. And I, uh, and I can't remember how long it was. I remember 65 very clearly, but I got the money. Uh, it took me a long time and I was, got, I went to the gym and then I did all the physical therapy. And then I was in, I remember being on the Cy- Cybex machine, as I recall. And I remember yeah. the guy just pushing me, pushing me, pushing me, you know, and getting these tests in. And, and after I finished it, I'm like, oh, how do I do? And he's like, hey, congratulations. Your left leg is now stronger than your right. <laughs> so that was you know that was a really good experience to go through that it was a hard experience but the bigger yeah. the mental part for me was that was the first time in my life that I thought skateboarding could end I mean I really wow. thought you know like I met, you weren't old were you at this point yeah no I'm I, I was I was 20 21 my career just yeah. really just started you know professional career it's one of those things right overnight success those overnight successes are usually 10 or 15 years in the making. And it was a typical, yeah, yeah. definitely for me, but yeah, it was the first time where I'm just like, wow, this thing's going to end one day. Uh, and that's, I, I felt like I could come back, but I, I really realized that point that skateboarding was going to end in one. And it was just, it was a completely different, 
um, thing for me because I'd never thought about that. I didn't care about no. it. I was well, why would you? Why would you? You were, you were 20, 19, 20, like you said, tearing it up, doing really, really well, progressing in your sport. I guess at that age, fragility isn't really on the forefront of your mind at all. So, I mean, in terms of where you are now, mate, do you look back at that moment thinking that actually that feeling and that knowledge that skateboarding was going to come to an end at, at one point, do you think that served you well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And it also helped me, you know, the bigger thing, even more so than that, was once skateboarding is going to end, I need to think about what I'm going to do next. Secondly yeah. was I've got to keep my, i got to keep fit. Like that's that's going to be a lifetime thing that I've got to do um, to be able to to continue the lifestyle that I want, and it it just it helped me a lot. What which, which was which was coming next, um, you know, sure. with other uh, uh, incidents that I had. Um, yeah, no, it, it definitely. I mean, I look back on it. I don't look at it as a bad situation uh, at all. It was a good good learning experience. It was a good learning experience for me to go through that, but it was also to learn of what an athlete goes through and how to help them. Um, you know, because that's the time when an athlete needs the most help. You know what I mean? That's sure. everything's going good. It's, it's, you know, everyone's, you know, it's, it's, you got to look after people mentally when they're doubting their own, uh, you know, have been able to get through an injury. Can I get through this? You know, so and if, if you've got everybody that's backing away from you at that time, when oh, you've had them on it. top of you, you know, it's just kind of like, oh my God, what, you know, what, what, what's gone here? So that was, it was a very, very good learning experience for me. And, and let's just tap in on it now with, with specifics, because I think this is really important. You alluded to it just now um, with regards to your business ventures. And you kind of said that that I was never going to let this happen to, to to someone else that I was supporting. So was that kind of a line in the sand in which you said, right, I'm going to make sure that anyone who is sponsored or anyone who we're supporting is going to get be- better management than this? Is that fair? To say? Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. Absolutely. And I so when I started our own company, I said, look, when people are hurt, you've got to pay more attention to them. You've got to send them like, for example, you know, we didn't need, uh, we had product, new product coming in every month. They didn't need, obviously need skateboards because they were not skateboarding, right? So we didn't for need sure. to send skateboards, yeah. but they were, they could wear hats, they could wear t-shirts, they could wear, you know, and we definitely got everybody involved in like, you know, say for example, we're working on a new logo. You know, I would send out the new logos and put, you know, numbers on one, two, three, four and send it out to everybody. Hey guys, what do you guys think? about these logos and I'd get like, you know, feedback from everybody, but definitely really get them involved. Yeah. Keeping them involved, telling them that you, you know, you care about them and just, you know, just by just by having that constant talk and then sending them product, you know, because that, that didn't happen for me. Uh, and, uh, and just being there for them to, 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 to listen to them and, and know that they could, you know, I could, I could, I could understand it from their side and I could actually help them and say, look, you know, you will get through this because yep. when I got out of my, uh, you know, after my knee surgery, it took a long time, you know, to get back. Learn that those those first couple of days, and you know, you really, I mean, your confidence is down to like five percent. You know, you want to skate, yeah, but yeah. you just you just can't. And everybody's progressing, and now you're a professional. I mean, that was something, you know, like you know, you go to a ramp, and they know that you're a professional skateboarder. And that Pressure's was, on. you know, like oh my god, I've got now, I've got this, you know, now I'm a name, now I've got a pro board with my name on it, and I can hardly skate. That I'm, not, I can't tell everybody that. Hey, just so you know, pal. I'm, I'm hurt. I'm coming back from knee surgery. They could care less. So, so the, the, these were active thoughts going on in your mind at the time? Kind of la- loss of confidence? Oh, yeah, for of, sure. Of, for sure. How, 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 did you get, how did you get over that, mate? Was you just, it just gradual it's, it's, exposure? It's just or? time. Just time. Just slowly, slowly, slowly and, and not giving up. I remember, I mean, I felt like giving up. I remember with my, you know, one of my best friends, Bob Boyle, who was, became the world champion, first ever non-American ever to, uh, to be the world champion in, in 1990 in Munster. 
I remember skating at the Vans skate ramp with him and I looked up to him and I said, hey, bud, I can't do this again. You know what I mean? Like this is like mentally after six months and going through all these things and then trying to get back in and just feeling like, but you know what I did? You know, I, I, oh, I slowly, 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 slowly got to a point and then suddenly that confidence goes the other way, right? And then you suddenly got your confidence in and now you can, can do, do anything. This, yeah. and, I, and I ended up being skating way, way, way better than I ever did before the accident. Um, Amazing. So, you know, it's, it's, it's knowing that you can get through that. And I remember my son, uh, who's a you know aspiring professional football player. He, um, he, I mean, at ten years old, I remember him saying he'd peaked. He thought he'd peaked, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> Nick, you're not. There's no way that you're going to be able to peak at ten years old, you know. What I mean, but and I go, just trust me on this. You know, you're going to get better and better and better. And we end up. Uh, I remember going to a camp and a couple of the. Um, San Jose Earthquake guys were there and he said to him, they just said, hey, look, you know, Nick, 80% of your, of your football is mental. You know, and it was funny after that, he, he you know, he skate, his football took off again. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Because he, you know, and, and uh, you know, he's got through. I think it's important for people to go through these setbacks uh, and understand uh, the injuries. You know, looking back onto my career, I think, you know, I was lucky in a way to go through some of these uh, some of these things because not only has it helped you help me through the skateboarding, but also helped uh, through the rest of my life. So I don't look I don't look at these things as as negative, which is so important. And to be fair, that that's the key reason why I wanted to have the conversation with you today. Because although I could sit and chat to you for absolute hours, hearing about your skate career and everything like that, I'm really fascinated about how you were able, and we'll come on to this in a second, how you were able to take your skate career understand that there was potentially going to be a time where this was going to come to an end and start to plan out strategies that meant that you had something that lasted far beyond your physical capacity to carry on skating which is so important because i find when it comes to rehabbing someone when it comes to people who are injured especially people who are involved in in sport whether it's professional semi-professional amateur you lose a lot of your a lot of what you hold dear to you. You lose a lot of your value and and kind of how you associate yourself. So to have other avenues that you're kind of focusing on, I think is so important. Yeah, well, I I just I mean I just love skateboarding. I just I mean I was you know some of the, the best guys in the world. I I mean I was on a podcast just recently and I said I called them part timers. You know because uh, we were. <laughs> Because we, me and my, you know, friend Bod, we we were twenty four seven, three sixty five. You know, we were yeah. we would finish skating and we would talk about skateboarding. You know, it's like the, you know, we watch skate films, we would learn as much as we could. We would, it was all of that. You know, yeah, we'd listen to music and go to shows and stuff like that. But it was just all, it was all, it was all skateboard related. And so I got involved in trade shows in like nineteen eighty five, eighty six, of just because I was just curious, I was just interested. I wanted to be involved in in that side of it. I'd done, I'd made a little fanzine in when I was in the UK um, in like nineteen eighty one, eighty two, amazing. Which was, a, which was a key thing, you know, because we didn't have so many magazines. So in fact, there was actually one time there was only there was no magazines before Thrasher had came on the scene. So we'd make our own zine. So I was always interested in, in you know, wanted to be involved in skateboarding. So it's all always been quite organic. Yeah, always. For, yeah, yeah, always. I'm always just wanting to learn, just wanting to learn of just being a sponge of just being like, okay, this industry thing. And um, you know, when I went over to America, the company I was with, Madrid, they allowed me to work in there. So I screened boards. Uh, you know, put the graphics on boards. I helped shipping. You know, I, I helped out do a lot of different things. And I worked at you know friends that helped me out, like you know, let me work in a skate shop, and you know, pay me uh, like that. So you know, I, I had a, I had a good like learning. 
um, you know, I had to earn money anyway, you know what I mean? And it was just like, sure, was yeah. fascinated by it all. And then we got the opportunity to start our own company in, in 1990 and I, I threw everything at it. And, you know, I, I didn't go to college, you know, I don't think I ever said the word college at, at school, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I just put the same effort that skateboarding into, into it, you know, like I, 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 you know, I don't know much about college, right. But, you know, I don't, I don't think there's any class on determination and passion and commitment and, you know, all of those things. And I just, skateboarding had shown me all of those things, you know, the bad weather. Hey, we've got to go up. We're going to go there anyway. Perseverance of just never given up. And, you know, I remember skating in, in, in the UK and never actually feeling my feet. You know what I mean? I was wow. so cold, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. and, but we'd still, we were there. We were there every, I mean, I, I'm, when I'm talking, I didn't miss a Saturday or a Sunday. I didn't miss um, a Saturday or Sunday. You know, no, fact, I, don't I only doubt remember it at all. one time when it was um, it was a birthday present, and it was I remember it was Wild World of Skateboarding was on TV. It was the first, it was the first time skateboarding was ever on, and it was a friend's uh, birthday. And we went to a football game, and it was the only football game that I went to until 1989. <laughs> and people know me know that I'm, I mean, I'm a Chelsea season ticket holder for the last <laughs> 24 years since I've been in America. But I would, and now my brother supported Chelsea, so but I'd never went to a game because I wouldn't take the time off to go skateboarding. Skating, it was, yeah, it was secondary. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I think, you know, the determination and all of those things, the hardships, the weather and everything else like that all definitely helped, you know, when you've got California, you know, it's different. You can, it's like, you know, in the UK, you think about it, you can bar, but you can't say in any day it's guaranteed weather, but in America, no in California, you can pretty much guarantee weather. You know, it's not wow. like you're like, oh yeah, let's have a barbecue tomorrow. Like, well, if the weather's good, we have a barbecue. It's like, no, you're going to barbecue tomorrow. Like, and, yeah, and, and yeah. skateboarding is like, no, you can skateboard tomorrow. It's good. It, it's yeah. more, you know, it's, it's pretty much a hundred percent chance that it's going to be great weather for you. You know, um, Got, you, yeah. you just don't have that in the summer in the UK. So, uh, but, but it's also, also makes people have an advantage that people that have come from Europe to go to America because they're used to such hard conditions. And the, the Californians are quite, I lovely people, but they're quite soft in that avenue that they, oh, it's cold today. You know, it's like, no, no, it's not cold. You have no idea. Yeah, we'll give it a day is. off. Yeah, for you know, sure. I mean, like the for West, sure. the East Coast guys, skateboarders, you know what I mean? They, they're very much like the, you know, the European sort of scene and, uh, you know, Northern Hemisphere. And, and um, you know, it, it, it was it was easier coming to America um, because everything was, you know, cleaner and the, the pavement was a lot smoother and, and everything else like that. But it was harder to skate the, the ramps. But anyway. I'm with you. So Matt, I'm, I'm really interested to take what you just spoke about, that determination, that grit, and I guess that 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 ability to keep driving on because that, whether, obviously you didn't know it at the time, but that was going to stand you in really good stead for something that horrendous thing that was going to happen to you kind of later later on a few years after that knee injury. Do you mind kind of bringing me up to, to the event and give us a little bit of understanding yeah, about yeah. car crash, mate? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I, uh, I used to, um, what I used to do when I used to get hurt, I used to live in Northern California where I live now and the, the business that we set up is in Southern California. So I would come back, back and forth. And um, at that point I had a car and my wife, um, you know, knew that I would fall asleep in the cars very, very easily. Like, you know, in, it's still to this day when I go watch a film in a cinema, like 90% of the films I've watched, I've fallen asleep before. You're gone. You know, yeah. Yeah, I, I, some of them before the opening credits. Right. So we didn't, we had a brand new, had a brand new car, my first ever car, and I uh, didn't have a music system in it. And I would actually go skating and then I would work out and then I would drive down about 100 miles an hour down almost like a Roman road, I-5 from, um, from, from San Francisco down to, or San Jose down to, to LA. And um, I was um, super fit at the time. 
which really, really helped me out. Probably the fittest I've ever been, skating the best I'd ever, I'd ever skated. And I, um, what I would do is I, I remember my, my wife saying to me, like, Steve, you know, you, you have a terrible form of sleep. You've got to get a music system. So I got a music system in there. My mother-in-law, she gave me like some Evian to spray on my face if I got tired, you know, anything. Okay. And I would drive down at night, right? Well, on the way back this one time, I would be bringing skateboards back from Southern California, dropping them off at local skate shops, right? So they didn't have to pay any freight. So I went down to work uh, down there for a couple of weeks. Um, and, um, and and I would do that anytime I'd get hurt. So, for example, like say I'd be hurt for a month. I knew I was out for a month. I would just go down to Southern California for a month. I'd just work and make it be really, you know, make, make it work well for me. Anyway, so on this trip, yeah. I was down south for two weeks, hadn't drank at all, you know, just, you know, so there was no, no, no issue there. I left like f- uh, 4.30 on a, on, a, on a Friday afternoon driving up driving up north. And uh, long story short, I get past, there's an area called the Grapevine. And I was like, I'm tired. I need to, I need to pull off. I need to pull off. And um, I remember I got, I got goosebumps as I'm thinking about, I'm thinking, oh man, if my friend Bod was here with me right now, he'd be driving and I'd be in the back asleep. Well, then I woke up and I woke up and I, first thing I said, I'm not going 80 miles an hour. I'm going a hundred miles an hour. And I could see, and it, there was a the center divider. There was no, you know, there was a, it was a big straight long road. And in the middle of the divider, there was, you know, I don't know, 80 feet, hundred feet. And I could see two cars coming in, in on the other side. And I tried to correct myself and I started flipping and I could tell the difference. I could tell the difference between the sand in the middle of the divider to actually the road. And then I remember hitting the road. Cause I remember the, 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 the difference in feeling. And then I hit the first one. And I'm like, okay, if I hit that second one, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead. And then suddenly I hit them, I hit it again, I hit another one again, boom. And then I, next thing I knew, I was just pinned and then I, I landed right side up. Wow. What, what I didn't realize was that the two cars that I'd seen out of my vision as I was getting off, they had passed and I'd actually hit a, a big, uh, like a, a four, big four wheel drive, like one of those big American four wheel drives. But the second one I hit was a semi truck, an 18 wheeler. Jesus Christ. But luckily I had no idea. So I was actually pinned underneath the uh, 18 wheeler for a couple of hundred feet. I, I had actually closed down I, uh, I-5 on both sides of the road on a Friday evening at like 5.45, you know, I think it was April 11th, uh, you know, 1991. Um, you know, long story short, because let's not focus on that, it was the jaws of life cutting me out. I had firemen with their hoses pointed towards me. I had a helicopter guy, uh, you know, take me on a helicopter. And I remember... As Were you conscious, I, mate? Sorry to interrupt. Were you conscious during this whole? Oh, I, I could write. A book. I could write a book. I mean, I remember. I don't remember what I did this morning, but I can remember everything about it. I mean, I, I was. I can remember people's mustaches. I can remember people saying to me, like, "Hey, buddy, uh, you know, you know, that's your nose." My nose would turn inside out, and I was like, I was oh. playing with it. And my my collarbone was broken. My elbow was hanging out. There was a big hole in my elbow. Um, I could use my only thing I could move was my my right arm, but I didn't feel that worried in it because as soon as we landed. I remember, I remember I pulled my back in, I twiggled my toes and I went, right, okay, my back's not broken. I'm like, it's going to be six weeks before I skate again. Um, <laughs> Straight away thinking about the skating. Yeah. I was like, oh man, another six weeks before I do this, but I wasn't really worried, but they were worried. I mean, that, you know, again, that's not focused on the, uh, on the really, on the accident, but I mean, it was yeah. like, you know, they, they, it was calls being made saying that, um, and I only, I only found this out a little while ago, but like, you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't probably last the, uh, the, uh, the night. Wow. I actually said to my wife, uh, the girlfriend at the time, I, to, to the to the girls in the uh, where I was at, and I said, you know what, nurses, I, you know, I'm a little frustrated. You didn't 
clean me up better. My, you know, my fiance, you know, she, she passed out when she saw me and they snapped back. They went, well, Mr. Douglas, we're more interested in saving your life than making you look pretty. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, uh, so that was, I think that's a fair statement. So that was, um, yeah, so that was a, a an interesting uh, experience to say the least. I mean, the, the helicopter ride was, was, was hysterical. Just when, they, when you're in a trauma ex- uh, situation like this, they keep asking you, all the same questions. Like, what's your name? What's your date of birth? Where are you driving? All this sort of stuff. And yeah. and I, they said, all right, you're going to go in a helicopter. And I'm like, ah, oh, I don't really want to go in a helicopter. They're going, son, you're going in a helicopter. And I remember being in the helicopter and um, it was funny because I just remember back to, and I'd been in a helicopter before at the time. And I remember the old, you know, Apocalypse Now film with the, of the chopper. I could hear the sounds. And yeah. this guy had his big mustache, another guy with a big mustache on a green helmet. And there was tubes in every everywhere you could think of. And they were asking me, what's your name? What's your date of birth? who's the president? I said, John Major. <laughs> and he went, he looked at me, he went, anyway, he kept on doing his things. What's your name? What's your date of birth? He's president. I said, John Major. This time he stopped doing everything else. He just was looking at me straight in the eye, complete calm. What's your name? What's your date of birth? Uh, who's the president? I said, John Major. He said, son, it's okay. We're going to be at the hospital pretty soon. And I said, hey, I said, I'm English. I said, I, uh, you know, I said, John, Major, John Major's the Prime Minister of England. I said, you wanted me to say old George Bushy babes, didn't you? <laughs> and all I remember was this mustache just. <laughs> and, um, you know, so, yeah, I, I was into the hospital and I felt, you know, I, I had no doubt for me that I, I felt fine. I mean, I didn't wow. think that there was that big of a deal. I mean, that's why I was, you know, surprised all these years after that people said to me, like, hey, you know, you're going to. Um, you know, when the, you know, one of my writers, Ron Carnegie, said to me, he's like, yeah, he got a call saying, you know, like, hey, Steve might not last it, you know, and that was, and again, that was probably two years ago. And it was weird for me to hear that, even though well, my wife, that- even though they'd said, you know, to my wife, like, you know, to me, like, hey, you know, you know, we wanted you to make, um, you know, yeah, folks yeah. Are saving your life. But I, inside my own body, obviously, I couldn't see what they were seeing. I mean, they actually did say to me, if you wake up tomorrow, don't be surprised if you can't see because your face is so swollen. Um, but the next day I was actually, my face was half, half, half better. Um, but wow. yeah, definitely like the elephant man, but, um, yeah, but that's that, certainly, that's... that certainly speaks so much of your, of your resilience. And I guess the fact that you're even considering, oh God, it's going to be six weeks until I'm back skateboarding again after you've, what sounds like, and I'm sure was an absolutely horrific car accident speaks so much mate of the fact that you're, I guess it goes back to that nature of you thinking not that you're unbreakable, but that actually actually you're good you're a young fit man and you're you're an athlete and that you can bounce back from stuff yeah that, that I mean, wasn't that that wasn't to be the case though was it no i mean just to lastly i, I they they were ready to do surgery on the side of the freeway because these skateboards funny people say skateboards save your life actually skateboards saved my life because there were so many skateboards in the back of the car that that was gave me the that gave me the sort of you know like that and and so that all these skateboards in in these boxes and even in the in the in the trunk of the car all there was that was all ram packed too right wow and, it's a so bit of protection, I was like, and the steering wheel was stuck in my chest i mean it was physically stuck in my chest they thought that when they cut me out that i was going to fall apart um because i was so like the only reason why i was alive was because i was so compact and that steering wheel was broken and in my chest um and wow. if i still i'm still wary of my chest like my solar plexus it's like that's my area like between my legs you know it's like oh my don't touch my solar plexus because that's still yeah. like a yeah. pressure point of where i was but um Understandable. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was actually. It's funny. You know. It's. It's. It wasn't. I don't back on it, and it's not a. It wasn't a bad experience. You know what I mean? Like it was. Uh, I. I don't look back on it as a. As a. As a. You know. I look at it as a very lucky day. Now, had I wiped oh, well, out a couple of families, um, you know, it wouldn't have been so funny, right? I mean, it wouldn't have been. But I. Sure. I luckily, I didn't hurt anybody. I mean, I did hurt the truck. The truck had to be towed. Funny enough. Um, <laughs> 
but uh you know i look back and i go wow how lucky am i you know i mean i, I mean i should have you I mean that, that i was very very lucky if my legs were been in front of me they would have been chopped off um, oh, it's only because yeah. my legs went underneath i kind of went in the feet's position and that's how the car kind of wrapped around me and so um you know i had this huge hole in my elbow that everybody come you know all the doctors it seemed like wanted to come look at my elbow they're like you know you've got it's like someone's got a taken a like a shark taking a big bite out of it but luckily none of the tendons or anything were harmed so they all worked perfectly but they were saying to me hey we're gonna have to use pig skin or whatever we were going to do on that we have to do skin graft you know and i was like hey i don't you know i don't whatever you need to do you know what i mean i'm like you know i kept asking them like hey have i killed anybody and they're like no you haven't killed anybody everyone's fine because I, I thought they weren't being honest with me, you know. But luckily sure enough, this, they didn't have to put pig skin or whatever they were going to do in it. They didn't have to do a skin graft. They just sewed it up. Um, and they and I don't even think about my elbow, to be honest with you, if there's any, if there's any issue at all. That's incredible. That's incredible. At, at, at what point was was skateboarding or the future of skateboarding kind of back on the agenda or back on your mind? Was it something that you immediately knew was going to be difficult or, or impossible? I knew it, or? I, yeah, I knew it was over. I mean, I knew it was over. It, it, I mean, I, it, and to be honest, it, it probably I had about six months left in my career anyway. So, and, and it was an easy transition for me to go on the business side of it, but I knew it was over. My body was, um, my board had been taken from the car too, right? So that my, you know, my board was very personal to me, you know, the way I had it exactly how I wanted it. So I was, you know, when I was skating again, the ramp that I was usually skating was changed too. That changed. And then my body had changed and the, my board had changed. So I had to wear a shoulder yeah. harness. My balance was completely off. My collarbone was broken. The worst thing that happened to me was that my body was just twisted and it never twisted back to be where it was. So it's like my hips are slightly off, my, my you know, one leg shorter than the other. So it's just like I'm prone to have injuries and I've had okay. injuries since then but i just knew that there's just no way that i could i could skate at the level that i that i did and so um i, I just you know i just that's i, I mean i still skated there's no, you know, no doubt about it but i just i i, just, I retired my, my professional board i could have kept okay. it around it was my company right but i was like no no yeah. i got to show that i'm you know this is this is done for me and it was it was relatively easy but it was the, the difficult thing about leaving the hospital was i didn't you know, was given any physical therapy and I wasn't given anything. I was just so lucky to happy to be at, you know, to be alive. Um, For sure. That that was a, you know, that was just the key thing. So that was the, that was a mistake really. Like had I had physical therapy and then I still skating. And then it was, I think three years later, um, you know, had, wasn't as quite as fit or, uh, and put a little bit of weight on, I think. And I was skating again. And then I, my back went out. Um, and then I and had that, to have, then I had that to was have quite a difficult recovery. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, the back surgery was really, 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 really difficult. Um, and I went in, you know, I lost a bunch of weight before I had surgery, had difficult times with the with a potential surgeon. You know, he said to me, well, you know, what do you want out of this? And I was just like, you know, I was kind of cocky. I'm like, hey, what I don't want is someone like you to tell me what I can and can't do. I want to get, I want to be, be able to snowboard. I want to be able to skateboard. I want to be able to do all the things. And he said, like, hey, son, you got to, you know, he listened to me and he's like, hey, you're going to get worse and worse until the day you die. That's the reality here. And oh it just, God. he said yeah. you know, pretty much word for word of that and that. And it just like, I was kind of like a little bit, not cocky, but I was just like, you know, I don't want someone like, because, you know, at that time people were telling you what you, you know, you can't do this. You can't do that. Because that was what we were told the whole life. You can't yeah, do this. Yeah. You can't do that. It's like, what do you know what we can and can't do? We're going to do this. But he, he just probably looked at me and just went, you know what? I've just got to bring this guy down. And it worked. I, I, I list, I actually I listened to him and and I uh, I, I just I, I kind of felt like 
yeah, he's right. Because I mean, I knew I knew that my body wasn't working the same, and things that I could do in my sleep, I wouldn't couldn't do consistently on on my skateboard anymore. So I knew that I was down because of pain, pain, or were things just slowing down, mate? I just, just with my balance, my balance was just completely off. Just, it just, it was just, it was like riding in somebody else's body. It was just difficult. And then, uh, you know, when the back went out, you know, that was that was a difficult. You know, I had, uh, you know, it was kind of silly. He did tell me like, hey, you know, get a hospital bed, sleep downstairs. And, you know, I didn't do that. I didn't listen. I, you know, I thought I knew better. I felt, I mean, I came out of back surgery. People were like, hey, I thought you're going in for back surgery today. And I'm like, I've been back surgery. You know what I mean? <laughs> Job done. <laughs> you know, and it was like, all right, I'm going to go out and get some food and, you know, have a couple of beers and, you know, I'm going to go sleep up and stairs. You know, I went upstairs, uh, woke up in the morning screaming like I did with my knee, you know, and, and called up the doctor and the doctor said, you did what? And it yeah. ended up being that I had to, you know, I was basically had to get a hospital bed, was down there for six weeks. I uh, was in Man, that. Was, that was the most mental. Uh, that was the toughest time that I'd had was being in bed, only getting up once a day. I, if I wanted to pee, I had to pee in the bed, you know, in a, in a, you know, in a big one of those, you know, tubes you have to pee in, and then you could go to go for, you know, number two, you know, in, in yeah, this yeah. In a, in a, on a high seat, and I'd, you know, walk there and then walk back, and I would gauge myself how I was doing, and you know, it'd be 24 hours before I could do that again, right? And now I'd be yeah. like, I'd get better one day, well, not better, but you know, I've made improvement, and I'd be like, okay, what I'm going to feel like when I get up next? I'd get up the next day and I'd feel worse. I go, oh my goodness, and then I'd be better, and then the next day I'd be a little bit better, and then I'd be like way worse the next day. And it was, you know, this was he, you know, the doctor was like, call me after a week, you know, okay, another another week. After six weeks, he's like, you need to come in here. They gave me some drugs. I had bed sores from laying on my back all day. Had our first wedding anniversary. I had a beard because I couldn't, you know, I was in a hospital bed. No way. And I had to go and get an MRI. Um, and then they called me back and said, um, hey, you've got a blood clot. And it was just silence, right? <laughs> and it was just, it seemed like what? a week had gone on. He goes, it's not that sort of blood clot. The worst thing you could have been doing is laying on your bed for six weeks, but in your back for six weeks. We need to get you up and out of, you know, you need to get you up and, and moving. Uh, For said, sure. Luckily, you know, after back surgery at the time, it was three months. So he's guys, you're not you're not slowing yourself down on the three months because you need the, the scar tissue to heal. But he okay. goes, you need to start walking. And it was like, you know, I remember the first day it was like, OK, you need to get to, to the, you know, past the bathroom, which you do every day and then come back, you know, and there's like, OK, get to right. the front of the house, and then back and then to the front of the driveway and then back and then go to the front of the driveway, go 20 feet and then come back. And then the next day, Just... 20 feet left, 20 feet right and then back because they didn't want you to go for a walk and not be able to come back. No, for sure. So and just it was real gradual overload. Long, 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 long processes. But it was, you know, I could only sit for 15 minutes and it was just, you know, it was life. That was definitely life changing. And um, yeah, that was a, that was a, sure. a, a difficult, a, a difficult period to get. Uh, uh, over that six weeks was extremely difficult. And we spoke a little bit about this last time when, when you mentioned to me that you were prescribed six weeks of bed rest after your back surgery. If you could have seen me, I'd, I'd be increasing, mate, just because obviously evidence has changed so much over the years now. But I guess that six weeks of bed rest for you probably taught you quite a lot about yourself at the same time and certainly provided you with another mental challenge, mate, that um, moving forward, I guess, taught you even more about yourself. Well, it's funny. I did read a bunch of, but I've read, you know, I remember reading in this money magazine and it was two, it was two things I got from it. One, you know, one that, you know, they did a bunch of interviews with people that were 60, 65 in the gym and they all said that they wished they'd started exercising before the doctor had told them. Yeah. And they also said, you need to start saving money. I would have started saving money earlier than, okay. I, had, than I had done. And I learned a lot. From, I, learned, I definitely learned a lot from that. You know, I was like, okay, look, I've got to do both of these things. So I definitely, um, 
you know, that definitely helped me in that, in that, in that downtime of really thinking about, you know, thinking about retirement, even though I was, I was uh, relatively young. Um, you know, it's funny, I remember calling my brother up. My brother was like, no, Steve, you've been retiring. You, you've been setting up your retirement for the last six years. That's what I've been doing for you. And I, I didn't even know. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. No way. You know, so, um, yeah, so that was all good. And then, you know, the gym, you know, I know how important that is. You know, I mean, I, I did, I did a, a workout yesterday and worked out both days of the weekend. So definitely try to keep as fit as I can, you know, and want to do more of that for, for this year. Yeah, I was, I was about to ask that, mate. So moving forwards now, so obviously those all of those incidences and, and injuries that you were talking about just then, they're probably, what, 20 years ago now, 15, 20 years ago, if not Yeah, longer? yeah, 20, my back, uh, knee surgery, yeah, 24 years ago, back surgery was 95, so 16 years ago, yeah, and then I've had other injuries. I've had three herniated discs in the last 10 years from, again, from skating again. I probably shouldn't have skated again. Oh, wow, um, okay. Um, and then, you know, those herniated discs, you know, in the old days, they would have done surgery for that. And I knew better not, you know, I just, I knew it was time that would, would take that, but it was, that was difficult. And then I had two broken metatarsals. Oh, well, and that, so what I was really going to say, mate, is, is moving on from those injuries, obviously you, you had to wholeheartedly or you decided to wholeheartedly commit yourself to a life of business, which at times isn't massively conducive to, to physical health. So, so, so what have you done, mate, along that journey more recently to try and keep yourself active? Kind of what things have you found super helpful with regards to fitness or exercise? Because from talking to you last time, you seem to be in a position now where you don't seem to have too many, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but too many kind of holdups or ailments as a result of those injuries. Yeah, no, I'm, do, you know, remarkably, I'm doing well. My first couple of steps in the morning are, are pretty, uh, you know, they're, they're like, oh, but uh, <laughs> a bit tentative. Yeah, but uh, but after that, I feel I feel I feel pretty good. Uh, I mean, I've done yoga for, you know, doing yoga about 20 years ago. You know, people said, oh, it's not good for people to have bad backs. I mean, that's, to me, it's BS. I mean, what I love about yoga yeah. is people say. What's great about yoga, it's not, you don't go into pain. It's not no pain, no, no, you know, no gain. You know, it's just like you do your version of it. One of the, I was very lucky to have this really, really good teacher from New Zealand and they were, she was told she would never walk again or had to replace a hip or it. And she is just, was just absolutely incredible. So if you, if you try yoga out there and it doesn't work for you, more than likely you've just got the wrong trainer. So I would definitely try different trainers, um, yeah. different instructors, I should say. Um, but, you know, they were, you know, she would say things like, you know, hey, the people ask about how many poses there are in yoga. And she says there's millions because your pose is different from somebody else's pose. This isn't sure. competition. You do what your body, what your body, you know, she'd always start the, the practice off and say, you know, you don't go into pain. This isn't a competition. Just do what you can. You do what you can and you don't do what you can't. And if you, you know, don't feel that, you know, if this one thing, if it, you know, if it's bad for your knees on this one, then don't do that exercise. Sit that one out and do something else. You know, she wouldn't be upset if you weren't keeping up with her, you know. And so I learned, it was really good learning to learn all that stuff. So yoga has been a huge help. Now, with the pandemic and everything, um, you know, it's mm. tough to do classes and stuff. So, but I still do. You know, I, I did yoga poses yesterday and I know what my body needs to do and I, and I, and I, and I do those. Um, so that's been really good. Mountain biking was another uh, key one uh, that I've been doing that I've been doing for a long time. That I that you know when when I when I did the, uh, the three herniated discs and then my when I broke my metatarsal, you know that was really went on a back burner, and, and that was a real tough period because you know you go over a period of you know a year a year and a half you get out of out of good habits you know. Um, sure. But I'm definitely now back on to doing that. I'm doing you know I'm, I'm doing hikes and. I'm doing my mountain biking, I'm doing my stretching, I'm doing a little bit of weight exercise. You know, it, it, I was going to the gym 
um, you know, very often, but now no gym, you know, because of the pandemic. So sure. it's been a little bit more challenging, but, you know, as a skateboarder, um, you know, you, you adapt, you know, I remember, I remember funny enough, I taking one of my old skateboarders. He's a fitness instructor, Steph Harkin. He's a fighter. He's a, um, he's a lifeguard down in the St. Oh, Ives. Wow. I mean, what a, what a job, right? And he, I remember yeah. taking it, I remember taking it to the gym and he's like, Steve, that gym useless. The only thing you need there is a rowing machine. He goes, you look, <laughs> look at what you've got here. He goes, you the steps you've got, you know, go, go jump, run up down the steps, go find a, a rock, go, you know, like use the natural stuff. Just Be outside. Get out in nature. Don't, yeah. Don't, don't be in this, you know, this, you know, it was just so funny. And it, I remember going to, going to the meeting, and, you know, and I was like, man, I had so much busy going on at work. I'm like, I really don't have the time for this. But it was such a great meeting with him because he just, he's ringing in my ears. When I was watching my son practice some football in the winter and then, you know, he's in a, he's in a, uh, you know, big stadium, I would be running up and down these steps, you know, to keep watching and, and to do, and to <laughs> do that, you know. So, you know, and he was in my back of my mind going, look, you're a skateboarder. Think about it differently. Just, you know, just get out and, and get out and, you know, ride your bike, do this, do that. And so it was, it was good. So I've, I've been very fortunate to like little, little, little meetings up with him. Um, you know, it's definitely helped, but, and I've had, I've yeah, had different makes- trainers over the, uh, over the, over the period. And so I just, you know, I, I understand, my body, my mother-in-law, wise old lady from, from, from Ireland, she said, you know, when your body listens to you, you know, when your body talks to you, listen to it. Otherwise, it will just scream. <laughs> Mate, I, have, I have to be honest. If there's one thing that I say in clinic more often than not, it is just to listen to your body, mate, because that you know your body better than anyone else, better than me, better than any doctor. Um, so providing that you're working within the limits of what it's telling you, sometimes we need to push it to take yourself out of your comfort zone. Yeah. But nine times out of ten, if you listen to it, you're not going to go too far wrong. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mate, I, I don't. I don't want to take too much more of your time, but I've just got a, a few key questions yeah, that no, I think I'm really interested in. And, and personally, I'm super interested as well. Obviously, I've only just opened my clinic relatively recently in September, but but business for you has been a, a large part of your life and obviously incredibly successfully. So I'm really interested, mate, whether it's skateboarding or whether it's the injuries, what do you feel those two things collectively, mate, has taught you or at least stood you in good stead for the way you've gone with business over the over the past or decades now really oh i think just that you know hard work you know what i mean i just i you know they you know as a, as a saying the luckier you get the harder you know the harder i work the luckier i get you know and i remember i remember reading that in one of my one of my meetings one of the businesses that i had at the time and the you know some of the people were like i don't even understand that you know and i'm like well yeah you know if you keep work you know the harder you work luck will come to you because you're working hard and hard and hard i mean it doesn't always happen but it's just you know just working hard you know it's just putting a lot of energy into things things aren't always easy you know that's why um you know not everyone's successful right so you know there's it's it's a lot of a lot of hard work and and always think about improving like you know as a skateboarder we go out or as any athlete, you go out wanting to be better today than you were yesterday. So if you have that yeah. same approach into work, so like, okay, how do I make this business better today than it was yesterday? What can I, you know, how, how do people look at the business? How do, I mean, I remember just, you know, just random thought, you know, they're like, you know, if you're sending stuff out in the mail, this is all these years ago, send some stuff to you, put yourself on the mailing list. You know what I mean? So when you get that stuff in the mail, how do you feel of getting that information. How does it look? What does the logo look like? What's it saying? What's the, what's the information saying? And, you know, sort of just thinking outside of the sort of the box of, of a business and seeing that, look at other businesses and look at, 
you know, your business, but look at other people's businesses. You know, I mean, I was reading about, uh, you know, uh, Nordstrom's and American Express and, you know, all these different companies, um, you know, by just learning from them, you know, looking at it in a different way, you know, look, you know, you don't, don't just look at your competitors in your field, look at other people, you know, uh, look at other industries and say, right, what can I take from this? What's the, you know, understand your own business and look at it and go, right, well, okay, what, what are the things in here that, um, that, that everybody doesn't like about that particular profession? And, and if you can, how can you fix that? So just continuously asking yourself questions. And as a skateboarder, I was continuously trying to think of new tricks and always trying to sure. try and do the ones I did better. So I think just that continuous improvement of trying to reinvent yourself and, and realize there's a, there's a thin line between success and failure, right? And so you could have yeah. a great idea at the wrong time and it doesn't work. Or you could be at the right place at the, you know, at the right time and you could not have a great, you know, you could be successful for that. So it's Man, just- and that's, that, that's it's, very telling of your injuries as well when you were skating, that, that line between absolute performance and then stepping it over the edge and ending in an, in an injury. That's what we tend to see quite a bit as well. So I think there's a, there's a lot of parallels that run between the two. Yeah, I just think just just work working hard, uh, working hard, and um, you know it, it, it can go the other way, right? You can be consumed about it. I've definitely been talked about as a workaholic and and this and that. I just you know my mother taught me you know don't put something off for tomorrow that you can do today. Well, unfortunately in my mind it's like don't put anything <laughs> off for tomorrow. Do it all bloody today, you know. So <laughs> yeah. it's very you know I'm very demanding on myself and I'm very demanding on my on my partners too, where I'm I, where I expect a lot from. You know, but I always want to try and say, look, you know, they, they, they're not going to look at me and say, right, well, you need to work harder or need to do this and stuff like that. I'm, I, I try and be a, a good uh, uh, leader, uh, but I also try to lead from example, you know, but it's just, yeah, sure. just, it's just hard work. But it's it's the same way the mentality I had when I was when I when I, when I was when I was skateboarding. So it's very, very I've, basically most of the things I've learned is from skateboarding. And then, you know, when I when I was in the height of my sort of business growth. I was reading a lot of books and listening to a lot of books and, and I realized a lot of these books were just like, it's at the end of the day, it's common sense. You know what I mean? A lot of stuff yeah. is really common sense looking at it from the other points of people's point of views. And, um, yeah, anyway, yeah, just, you know, there's, you know, there's a great book called raving fans. You know, it's basically if you, if someone's not a raving fan about your business, you know, it's like if you go out and see a film, if you like that film, you're going to go and tell everybody about the film. You're a raving fan of that film. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, you go into a restaurant and you know you don't want to go back there. You know, you you know, you know, you, that, that, what did that restaurant do to you? You know, how did it make you feel? You know, you know, people ask like, hey, how was the food? And you know, a lot of people, you know, ninety six percent of people, as I remember reading, don't say anything. They just don't come back, right? So, yeah. You know, I would always tell my guys, and still to this day, you've got to listen to the four percent of the people because they're telling sure. you what you're doing wrong. You know, I mean, those are just little basic things that you can pick up um from you know from books so reading books and is, is definitely a, you know i wish i to be honest you, i wish I, I kept reading more and more of the business books you know to be honest with you um for sure mate i think that really takes us to that that full circle that i was interested in in talking to you about in the first time because yeah i was super interested in the performance side of things with regards to the skateboarding and and especially around the era that you came up with in as well Obviously, I'm interested in the injuries from my own professional standpoint, because I love to hear about someone's journey. But for you particularly, what I was primarily interested in is how the fact that you had other elements going on in your life while these injuries kind of kept you focused and kept you motivated. Because let's be honest, a car crash like that could easily have derailed you and kind of lost your focus with a lot of things if you had nothing else going on in your life. So I think the message really that I'm trying to get across to 
whether it's clients or whether it's people that are, are struggling in, with injuries, is to keep your mind occupied. Don't let yourself get to a position where actually you're so consumed with the with the now and the injury that actually it becomes a much bigger problem than it perhaps needs to be. So, so Steve, I think the way you've managed to deal with things over the years and especially the where, where you are right now with everything, mate, it's definitely an unbelievable example for people to try and follow. Well, I pr- appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you very, very much for, for well, not only for, for, for asking the questions, but also to try and, you know, for, for your business and try to help other people. And that's what's very exciting to me is this, that, you know, there is some lonely times, you know, that you doubt yourself in the, in the, in these periods where you are hurt, you know, the knee surgery was more impactful for me in my life than my car accident. My car accident was very, you know, near ending my life. It ended my, you know, skateboarding as I, as I know it, you know? Yeah. Um, but the knee surgery was mentally the tough time, but it helped me getting through that help get through the, the other ones so um you know I, i've been very 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 fortunate i'm very very lucky um you know to be here there's a lot of people that aren't as lucky that don't get another chance so i think that's also realizing you know how how lucky you are it could be a lot worse when I mean, when everyone gets hurt you know i always try and look at the positive they go oh, i hurt my hand i go wow wow it's a lot better than your ankle <laughs> you know <laughs> you know because your ankle you, you know you can still work out you can still keep fit with your legs you know what i mean but like you know it's, it's, your, it's only your hand you know obviously for that person i mean i remember ripping out one of my toenail in one of my uh nails you know full nail off and it was like so bloody painful uh oh. so you know even the smallest things can hurt like hell but always try to have a bit of perspective going you know what it could be worse it's not my back it's not my neck you know what i mean it's this it's you know so that's it's always try to make me when you know you know always try and think that hey it could be worse and and um and if you can get over that you you know like you so well I'm I'm lucky I'm luckier it could it could be worse so I think that's Perfect. definitely helped me and I, I try to help other people by it you know as much as you possibly can because you you can't you don't want people to give up you want people to be like you know, trying to look at the positives even through a negative and they always say to people I go hey look seriously trust me before you know it you'll be back stronger than ever you know you that's will it. and every day you're one step closer. So if you look at it, little steps in those long journeys of recovery, just every day, every day, you know, you're going to get before you know it, you're back to normal and you're going to be better than you were before. But you've got to keep starting small. You know, the, the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. Right. And it's that sort of concept on a small scale, slowly, 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 and then getting to a point of. Um, you know, sort of breakthrough and then and then and then, and then improving. So um, yeah, just by you know, one best way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time, right? And all those old cliches. But um, I think that's they, they work. Yeah, they they well they, they do for me. They do for me. Yeah. And um, and I and I try and you know spread positivityness. And it's not always you know it's it's a lot of self doubt and in, in a lot of that, those journeys. It's pretty lonely. And you know when you don't have people beside you and helping you out. So you know the, the, you got to. You know, some people have the benefit of having brothers and sisters and wives and girlfriends or whatever. And, and sometimes it's just a person on their own. And so it's, um, you know, then it's people like you even come even more and more important. But um, yeah, but anyway, thank that's you for it. doing thank you for doing what you're doing. And for anybody else that's listening to this, um, you know, hopefully I've helped out in a way, but just, you know, never give up. Mate, what a wonderful way to finish. Thank <laughs> you so much, my man. Cheers. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thanks take for your care, time. Take care, buddy. Bye-bye. Oh, yeah. All right.